0: If keep uh, the Bible open, that, that might be a help as we, as we come to look at it. And let me say again, uh, a really warm welcome. If you're visiting with us, maybe you come along with a friend, maybe you're new to Cambridge or um, you, you're new to, to church things and you thought you'd come along this morning, if, if that's you, really glad you're here and that you've taken uh, time out of your, your weekend uh, to be here. We're going to spend a few moments looking at this, this story about Jesus and, and thinking together a little bit about the fresh start he offers. Now, I don't know about you, but I think for many people, when you hear, when you hear the idea of a fresh start, that's something that, that many are looking for or have been looking for over, over recent years. You think back to, to post-Brexit, all the turmoil with that. Many were, were hoping for a fresh start after that, whatever you thought about it. Post-COVID, all the things we went through with that people hoping for some kind of fresh start after that and maybe there's beginning to be a hope that there'll be a, a post ukraine war with a fresh start or a, a post cost rising cost crisis and a, a fresh start after that but it's hard isn't it fresh starts don't always come for the asking and the mistakes of the past they can linger for a long time i'm regularly after my own fresh starts trying to eat a little bit healthier eat a little bit less but the mistakes of the past seem to linger, don't they? Uh, friends that used to say to me when I was younger, a moment on the lips, David, a lifetime on the and you know how it finishes. And even at times if my conscience seems to let me off, my bathroom scales are quite frankly unpleasant and uncomfortable. I think I need to invent sort of more friendly bathroom scales uh, that just say things like, it's not so bad. It could be worse. That, that would be better for me, but... Uh, they can be unpleasant and uncomfortable. And then there's the more mis- uh, serious mistakes uh, that we find ourselves in. and they seem to linger as well. They genuinely linger. Sometimes they're unpleasant, uncomfortable. So what does Jesus offer? Look, here's the context, as you think about what you make of Jesus. In the story, the bit that we've just read, he's been becoming a celebrity. Uh, people are, are wanting to see him. There's, there's ordinary locals nearby where, where he is in this story, and there's also the religious elites who've come out to see him. And and here you'll see something of the fresh start he's offering, even when the mistakes of the past they seem to linger. And you hear the story in verses 1 to 12, there's there's loads of people. They're at a house and people are crammed in there trying to, to listen to him. You can imagine them them peering in the doorway, leaning through windows, all trying to hear what he's saying, and then all of a sudden, four guys break open, open the roof, and the, the Lord, their paralyzed friend, down in front of Jesus, and you know what's going on. In amongst the chaos of that, everyone's hoping for a show. They're all hoping for a kind of spectacle to see, but then this happens. In verse 5, if you've got it there in front of you, you just hear this. Jesus looks at this. What, what you'd have to describe as a vulnerable man is paralyzed lying in front of him and in front of everyone there who's gawping, Jesus looks at this vulnerable man and he says something outrageous. Do you hear that? Son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, you hear that and you think, what's he doing? There's national leaders there as well as as local crowds. So look what he says locally is going to be reported nationally. If they've had Instagram... And the technology for that, that all those kind of posts would have been out pretty quickly. And you suspect Jesus knows that. He wants people to hear this. It's deliberate. He wants those who who are there to hear it. He wants it to be reported. I think, in a sense, He wants you and I to hear this as well. Son, your sins are forgiven. And then you think, not a mention of His paralysis. At this point, no kind of show of concern at this point about that. And you listen to this, and you could be thinking about Jesus and about Christianity. That's what you're like. That's what you're like, isn't it? That's, that's what you think about people, isn't it? You hear that? And don't you, you find it just a little unpleasant? And look, if you'll do it for a... A man like this guaranteed he'd do it for you and me as well. Here's a man who the first thing he might say when he sees you, when he meets you is, you know that stuff you feel really guilty about? You're probably right. And then where's the compassion that Christianity is meant to have? Isn't it all just a bit unpleasant? But it doesn't stop there. He goes on. Uh, the comment about being able to forgive sins causes a commotion. The, the religious elites who are there, if you read on, they really don't like Jesus very much, but it's all quite internal at the moment. It's all going on inside. inside. You, you know the kind of thing. It's like British people on trains when somebody's playing loud music in the quiet coach. You know that kind of experience? You can feel the tension in the room. The looks. Something's not right. It's that kind of thing. It's internal. That's what you get in verse 6. Some, some teachers of the law were thinking to themselves. Why does he talk like this? He's blaspheming. Uh, and you, you get this because they, they know only God can forgive sins. And, and, but the odd thing with it is, uh, well, the odd thing that's going on is verse 8. Did you spot that bit? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And it's not suggesting he guessed, it's more like he he knows, sort of heard their thoughts. Uh, When our boys were were younger, very little, we, we used to play card games, just when we were beginning to get into games, we used to play card games with them, but their hands were so small that they couldn't hold their cards up all the time, so they had to lay them down on the table and everyone could see them. They were aware of the problem, and so they were always saying, Daddy, don't look, don't look, but you know, it's a game. You want to win? Uh, The opportunities for that are getting less and less uh, in life, but you know what it's like, it gives you an advantage knowing what somebody else has got. And you understand that's what Mark's saying here, when it comes to Jesus, you can't play your cards close to your chest. I mean if this is true, He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything. And you wonder when when Jesus mentioned sin to this man on the ground, what went through his head? And you think about that same question and you wonder, look, what, what goes through yours and mine? The mistakes of the past, the things that seem to linger. What if there's someone who just knows all that stuff about you? Who had that kind of information? And Mark's suggesting that Jesus does. Now, you might be here, uh, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet, and I'm not presuming that you, you believe this, but he, here's the question this morning to think about. Imagine if it is true. I mean, what if it is? Even your thoughts on full display. I don't know about you, but doesn't that leave you with a Jesus who seems not just unpleasant, but actually a bit uncomfortable but there's more the teachers of the law they're they're the ones who join the dots at verse 7 they say who can forgive sins but God alone they they understand what Jesus is doing they know what he's claiming it's what C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote says this, it's up on the screen if you want to read it. He he says this, that then comes the real shock. Among the Jews, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he always existed. He says he's coming to judge the world at the end of time. And when you have grasped that, you will see that what this man said was quite simply the most shocking thing that has ever been uttered by human lips. See, for some people... Jesus, it's not just that he's unpleasant or uncomfortable, it's that he's downright unbelievable. So what do you think? And when you've got all that stuff going around your head, maybe if you're you're thinking about this for the first time, when you're thinking, what what do I make of this, Jesus? Is he unpleasant? Is he uncomfortable? Is he unbelievable? And you're trying to figure all that stuff out. When you're thinking like that, Jesus brings you back to the paralyzed man. And I think I'd almost forgotten him. Trying to get my head around all this other stuff, but Jesus hasn't. Did you notice after he's forgiven him, he asks a strange question. was in verse nine in our reading. The question was like this: Which is easier to say, to say your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? And you get the point of that question. It's much easier to say your sins are forgiven. It's easier to say that. Because you can't see it. You can't prove he didn't do it, even if you don't think he did. But when it comes to telling a paralyzed man, get up and walk, very quickly you'll see whether that's fact or flannel. That's what's going on there. It's as if we've said, look, Jesus, it's all very well claiming you can forgive sins all very well claiming that, but we can't see it. Nobody can see it. How about doing something that we can all see? You know, something that, well, like something only God, if he was real, could do. Like, oh, I don't know, like, like telling this paralyzed man to get up and walk. And you see what Jesus is doing? That's what he does. And the point of it is this, look, it's to back up his claim. He shows you something that we can see. To help persuade you. A bit like Richard was saying earlier, I'm persuaded about this, Jesus. To help persuade you about the thing you can't. You can't believe in miracles, can you? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Someone would say, I won't believe in God unless he does something to prove that he exists. You mean a bit like this. A bit like saying to a paralyzed man, get up and Walk. So what if this is true? And if it is, you you get the point with Jesus. If he's got the ability to make paralyzed people walk, then it's possible he might know something about the state of our lives. And it might be just like a diagnosing doctor. He knows the things that we really need. In actual fact, though, this, this claim to be God, it makes sense of the other things, doesn't it? Because if Jesus is God, he will know everything about us. And if he knows everything about us, he's the only one who can tell us what we really need. So if there is a fresh start, a real one that you're looking for, he'd be the one who'd know what it is. And if you've ever thought a fresh start might be good, but who could give it? You understand what's going on here in the Bible. Jesus is making a good case to you, he's the one who's able to give you a fresh start. So what do you make of him? Unpleasant? Uncomfortable? Unbelievable? Or could he be God? Uh, There's a story told, you may have heard it, about Arthur Conan Doyle. The, The author, he looks a happy chap, doesn't he? He's very friendly. There's a story of having dinner with friends when he suggested that any man, by the time he got to 40, had skeletons in the closet that would be disastrous for him if they became public knowledge. I'm 52 now. Doesn't bode well for me. And his friends over dinner said, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. So Conan Doyle proposed the challenge. They the chose a man everyone agreed was upstanding, respected and trusted. And they sent him an anonymous note. Now, apparently it goes, the story goes, I'm told. Uh, the note just said this, all is discovered. Flee. And the story goes, the man left the country. It's a credible story, isn't it? Knowledge like that, it can feel like power to manipulate. If you know stuff about people, you could really do something to them. It's one of the reasons we don't like the idea of people knowing lots about us. But you look at Jesus here, and he doesn't seem to manipulate. Do you notice? No, you look again, you find, look, he is, well, he is uncomfortably truthful but he's not unpleasant. He is uncomfortably truthful, but he's also unbelievably kind. Just look at verse 5 again, if you have that Bible there, and just think about what he says. When, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. I sometimes think, don't you, if, like if my friends knew this about me, some guilty secret, something about me. If they knew that, they, they wouldn't want me around. So, so what you do is you, you cover up what you're ashamed of in order to guarantee the friendship you have with them. It's a strange thing when you think about it. It's saying, look, our, our friendship is gonna be based on you not really knowing what I'm like. But if this is true, what this is saying about Jesus, what it says about God is with With him, it's the opposite. The kind of friendship he invites you into is one where he does know everything about you. And yet, he says says he wants to give you the fresh start you're after. Forgiveness for anything we're ashamed of. Forgiveness for everything we're ashamed of. See, according to Jesus, with... With God, friendship and forgiveness always are, are always going to be linked. He won't give his friendship without you accepting that you need his forgiveness, and he never gives his forgiveness without also sweeping you up into his friendship. Except, it sounds a little bit more li- than that, doesn't it, Son? Your sins are forgiven. Sounds like family. I don't know what you think about uh, when, you, when you think about God. Perhaps you imagine someone who's a bit like a bully or a tyrant, or someone who's more like the, the bathroom scales just wanting to make you feel uncomfortable and awkward. But you watch Jesus, and he's different to that. He's not soft on the things we do wrong, he's still unflinching, he's uncompromising. He'll have the awkward conversation, but he doesn't want it to stop there. All his talk of sin and forgiveness, his purpose is that through it, he'll give us a fresh start, draw us into his family. Someone might ask, "Look, how can he do that? How can he do that? Well, Mark, in his book, who's written this, he he will show us by the end, he'll say, this Jesus who says he's God will die a most cruel death on the cross, but not dying for anything he's done wrong but taking the consequences for what we've done. So you want to know uh, what this God says he does with all the knowledge he has about you. He says he'll let his life be ended so that yours can have a fresh start. How do you respond to something like that? Again, Mark will explain more fully in his book But he gave a hint right here in verse 5 when he said this. uh, When Jesus saw their faith. Uh, That word faith, it kind of means trust. Uh, But not in a distant way. Maybe the the way you would trust a a teacher or, or a scientist or something like that. No, it's a little bit more personal. I guess it's a bit like you do with a deep, deep friend who you knew would, well, die for you. That's what you do. You start to trust this Jesus. Look, if you're with us uh, this morning and you're just at the stage of beginning to think about Jesus and you're wondering, what what do you do next? Uh, Well, look, you could come and chat with someone. I'd love to chat to you at the end or maybe you come with a friend. Uh, You could pick up one of these little accounts of Jesus' life if you never read one and read through that. Uh, Come back again. We mentioned things like Roots of Jazz and other things. We'd love to welcome you back here. But I suppose the other thing you could do, a bit like uh, Richard was hinting at earlier, is you could talk to this God. And you could ask uh, for the forgiveness uh, he is offering in Jesus. I'm going to stop there. Uh, The musicians are going to come back up. Um, In a moment we'll sing... Uh, our final song that we're going to sing this morning. Uh, often when I've encountered people who are, are thinking about Jesus for the first time or early on in it, they can think in two different ways. Some people, uh, some people think, I'm not really interested in him. And if that's you, we're not forcing you towards anything, but I'd encourage you to keep thinking. But I've often met people who think almost the other way, that he wouldn't be interested in me, the things I've done, the kind of person uh, I am. And I want to encourage you to think that is not true. And this final song we're going to sing together speaks a little bit about that uh, because it has this line in it, his mercy is more. As the music begins, let's stand and we'll join in to sing this.